You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you would, turn your Bible to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19, the 19th chapter of the book of 1 Kings this morning. I want to take a moment just to appreciate, I meant to mention this in praises, but uh, I appreciate uh, the kills got up here and took care of a bunch of the leaves that were out on the property uh, yesterday, so I sure do appreciate that. They weren't going to be recognized, but I just uh, am thankful for that. Some of those things, a lot of things that happen around here. I've said this before, this church, uh, um, it works because it works, amen? And you just have people that have come and just do things uh, behind the scenes, unsung, and I appreciate that so much. Um, in First Kings chapter number 19 this morning, have you ever been really low? I mean, really down? Um, you know, you just, you just want to go lie down somewhere. Uh, and I mean, and quite honestly, maybe even wallow in some self-pity. Get mad at the world. Maybe run from your responsibilities. Um, have you ever been depressed? If, if so, you're not alone. And one of the encouraging things is to see that God t- shows us some of His heroes in the Word of God that actually struggled with times of depression. Uh, it's an interesting thing I thought about. I'm going to try to preach through this chapter. Evan was giving me some words of wisdom before we left the house uh, this morning. And I mean that. He said, Dad, maybe you shouldn't have so many notes. He said, because you never get done with them. And Natalie says, have you ever finished your uh, notes? And I said, I think I have a time or two. Uh, But uh, he said, maybe you should just either stick with your notes or just do smaller notes. Um, But it was all in encouragement. It really wasn't being critical at all. And I thought that would be wise. uh, What I want to preach to you today started off as 11 pages. And I've tried to condense it down to uh, six or I'm sorry, to uh, five. Anyway, uh, but uh, so the point is, yeah, there's a lot on this subject that we won't be able to cover. So I just want to try to hit this chapter and hit some points as much as possible. Uh, and I thought about preaching on this thought uh, on depressed prophets, depressed prophets. There's a number in the Word of God. I just want to focus mainly on one today. Uh, and then really, I want to kind of end this with a question on where are you at? Where are you? Do you ever get like that when you're depressed? If you've ever struggled with depression, uh, you ever just think, you know, what's going on with me? Why am I in this place? And the Lord asked uh, uh, Elijah that question a couple of different times. So if you'll allow me to get you up to speed to get to verse number 19, uh, in chapter 18, Elijah has just been a part of one of the great mountaintop experiences in the history of Israel. The nation had been in a three-year drought due to its idolatrous worship of a false god called Baal. Elijah fearlessly calls for a showdown at high noon, as it were, with the prophets of Baal. Uh, Baal was supposed to be the god of the weather, the god of the fire. And so supposedly God, uh, this false god Baal would have had this power. So he called up on Mount Carmel for this showdown. And he said, let's see whose god is the true god. 
And they, they, they both built altars and they, they, they put sacrifices upon the altar. And for, the, for those that were the prophets of Baal, from morning to evening they cried and, and, and hollered and they cut themselves and, and asked for Baal to send down the fire from heaven on their altar, but no fire fell. But then Elijah, after they went through everything they went through with a very short prayer, prayed a very short prayer there in chapter 18. I would encourage you to read it later. Amen. Please don't read it while I'm preaching. Amen. You can if you get too bored. Uh, but uh, but you, you, you'll see that he prays a short prayer. And sure enough, God sends fire down from heaven, devours uh, the, uh, the, the uh, sacrifice. And then uh, they, they then proceed to do away with all those prophets of Baal. And cleanse the land. The people's heart, hearts are turned back to the Lord. And, and that's what happened here. I mean, God worked. The true God showed up, sent fire down from heaven. And so, uh, and then, then shortly after that, there was actually a greater issue. I'd mentioned the drought. Shortly after that, God sent the rain. It had been in a drought for so long of a time. By the way, during that whole three years of drought, God had, had worked greatly in Elijah's life. Uh, God had sustained him. God met his need when it looked like it would not be met. God was blessing Elijah over these three years. He was so good to him. And it's just an amazing thing because we look... You, you look at chapter 18 and you see the fearlessness of Elijah. You see the faith of Elijah. I mean, you see the fire of Elijah. Here's this man, this great man of God. But then something happens. That's, that's the most popular part of the story, but it's not the end of the story. Now, if you'd look with me in chapter 19, I want to begin by reading verses 1 through 4. Where the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel. So Ahab is the king. Jezebel is the wicked queen. And he went home and he told all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So this fearless man, this man that stood so courageously, he gets a threat from wicked Queen Jezebel. And when he gets this threat, notice what his reaction is. The Bible says, and when he saw that. You know, one of the big things about life and about the Christian life especially, but about life in general is where you look and what you look at, what you observe. Uh, see, the Apostle Paul said, while we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are unseen. Elijah, for the last three years and for many years of his life, he had learned to trust the unseen. But now he looks, and what does he see? When he saw that, the Bible does not say that he prayed. It does not say that he sought the Lord. It just says when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. We would say he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness... So notice this, he's isolating himself. He left this place where all these people were. He flees. He, he, he has a servant. He has a companion. But then he leaves him. He begins to isolate himself. And then in verse 4, the Bible says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree 
And he requested. So he begins to pray. But here's his prayer. He requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And so here's the prophet. He ran. He isolated himself. Now he goes, and when the Bible says he sits down under the juniper, if you study and look up what the juniper tree is, it's sometimes called the broom tree, but it's, it's a small, it's really like a shrub or a bush. And in order to get, you don't just sit under it like you'd sit under an oak tree and just prop up against the trunk. You just about have to climb under this tree. So in other words, you'll find out in a minute that he was laying down under this tree. So he isolated himself from everyone else. In fear, he was not ready to face anything in life. He wished for death and he went and laid down. Does that sound familiar? I mean, uh, many of you can identify with what the prophet went through right there. And, uh, and then so, uh, with, without reading any further for this moment, let's pause and pray and then we'll get into the rest of the message. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear God, for the example of this great man of God. I'm glad that you show us this and remind us of the fact because just like Elijah felt alone under that juniper tree, God, we sometimes feel alone. No doubt there are people listening right now that even in a crowd, they feel alone. And God, I pray, God, that you will, just like you showed up and you came to Elijah, I pray that you'll show to them. I pray that you'll walk with them through this period of their lives and through this uh, phase or whatever it is they're facing and bring them out to the other side, dear Lord. And we'll thank you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Depression is very common. And as we read through this passage, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of myself just a little bit and say this, that depression is a very common thing, but it's kind of a taboo thing too, isn't it? Uh, it's getting to be less so, but for somebody to say, I'm depressed, uh, a lot of people are scared to admit that because of you know criticism or feeling bad. It's kind of a taboo thing. There are some family members. I, I've talked to people and when they will tell me uh, something about, you know, I'll just how's your wife doing this or that? Well, my wife struggles with depression. She's depressed. But you can almost feel like a sense of shame and, and, and not understanding what uh, the loved one's going through. In other words, point I'm trying to make is this. Sometimes we are not too readily to admit that we struggle with depression. And if we have somebody that we know that struggles with depression, maybe we're not too, maybe we have a hard time even admitting that. But the point I want to make is this, is that the Lord does not mind identifying himself with this depressed prophet at all. Amen. We're going to see that just in a little bit. And I'm glad I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm glad that God is with Elijah through this whole thing, as we'll see in just a moment. Depression is a very common experience. It's probably the most common, one of the most common human problems. Uh, we may all experience it at some time, some time in our lives. Uh, however, the Bible does not leave us without help. And there's a, there's a great comfort as we look at a man like Elijah. He knew that awful feeling. He knew how miserable. He knew what it felt like to be miserable. Things affect some people much different, but I'm telling you, depression can be a dangerous thing uh, in your life. Now, I think there is much depression that we can work through and get help through. Uh, and I know that there's, uh, you know, clinically, uh, um, 
uh, diagnose cases that are, are even more extreme and so forth. Uh, but I want to try to encourage you this morning in this uh, topic of depression. All right, so a couple of things I want to look at in the way of introduction is this when we talk about depression. A couple things that could contribute to his depression. Number one, the fatigue factor. Uh, so for one thing, he had ran nearly 20 miles. Uh, he'd ran nearly 20 miles to a place called Jezreel. So even before he left, he was busy. He was working. He was tired. Um, and then while he was there, he, he heard uh, bad news. So then he went for another 80 miles. And so when he left his servant, he traveled, uh, or, or altogether, he traveled close to 100 miles. And so he was fatigued. And I want to say this, sometimes when you're tired, sometimes when you're wore out, sometimes when you're wore down, that can lead to depression. You haven't taken time to rest. Uh, somebody once said, you know, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus went apart from the crowds at times to resort and to rest. Of course, the crowds followed him and he didn't get any rest. But nevertheless, uh, somebody said it this way. Sometimes you have to come apart before you come apart. Sometimes it's okay to take a day off. It's okay to rest. It's okay. It's okay sometimes even to take a nap. From time to time. I mean, there was the fatigue factor. Uh, but there was not only did Elijah, I did believe, dealt with the, the fatigue factor. I believe that he also dealt with the fear factor. The fear factor. In other words, we saw that already. Man, he was scared. He was uh, scared of Jezebel. He was scared of what was going to happen. And I want to tell you, where faith ends is where fear begins. And where fear begins is where faith ends because uh, fear uh, is, is when we don't have faith, we have fear. Elijah, this man that had so often had so much confidence in God, he began to, he was overwhelmed all of a sudden. You know what it feels like to be overwhelmed? Some of you may feel overwhelmed right now. You're overwhelmed as a parent. You're overwhelmed as, a, as just a person living in this world. It's just so much to bear. And we can develop fear. When depressed, we can feel hopeless, alone, afraid. And you can feel like a failure. The fear factor. We blame ourselves for the situation. We have thoughts. Sometimes we can have thoughts of self-harm. The thoughts of suicide come in when you get really depressed. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, it's, it's always important to get help. Amen? When you're going through these things. And understand that you really aren't alone. But, uh, but I thought about this. One of the things that you'll find, notice what the Bible says here in verse number 6. Uh, I'm sorry, in verse number 5. The Bible says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Now, it's, it's an interesting thing because it really is important to rest and not to overtax ourselves uh, to where we uh, fall into a place of despair. Uh, and, but, but here, his sleeping is a sleep that some can identify with, man. He was just distancing himself. He was just like, I'm done. I can't face it. I can't handle it. And basically, he just did not want to get up. All right. He lay and he slept under a juniper tree and behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And so, isn't this awesome? The Lord shows up and sends an angel. And we're going to see a little bit more about this angel in just a moment. But the, this angel comes and cooks him something and brings him some water. 
But I thought about this. We need our rest, but sometimes when we're depressed, we might just lay down because we haven't had our rest. And it's almost like with this. It's not that when we're depressed, we may still eat, but we don't eat nourishing things or something. You know, it's, it's amazing when you think about what is going on here and how it kind of uh, correlates with today. So instead of feeling victorious, instead of feeling victorious, he's dealing with the fear factor. I mean, he had just seen God do one of the greatest things ever. And did you know that it's an amazing thing that you can actually struggle uh, even after some of the greatest times in your life? I mean, you can almost have a letdown. Uh, I mean, I think about this. this. This is a silly illustration, but let me give a silly illustration. It's almost like uh, people that really love Christmas. Any Christmas lovers in here? Uh, I know some of you don't, but I'm a Christmas lover. Some of you don't like it. And that's fine. You know, I mean, uh, nowhere in the Bible are we told that we've got to celebrate Christmas. Did you know that? I mean, there's nothing wrong with not celebrating Christmas uh, uh, the way everybody else does. You don't have to, you know, deck the halls and, you know, rah, 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 and all that stuff. You know, you can just, uh, you, you don't have to love Christmas in order to be a Christian. I think you ought to love and, and appreciate the fact that Jesus was born, but we understand a lot of what goes on in our traditions aren't as much about that. Point I'm trying to make is this. If you love Christmas, man, it can be depressing after all the presents are open and everything's down and it's like, well, that was it. It's over. Uh, and, uh, and that's a silly illustration, but I, I will say this. There's times that we can have, have high moments in our life. I mean, mountaintop moments, times of blessing. Uh, God had been blessing Elijah in so many great ways, but then all of a sudden, he felt so down afterwards. He felt like a failure. It's an amazing thing. And I know I, I am not one of these preachers that say I, you know, there's, there's a thing that many of you have heard preachers say this, that uh, pe people ask the preacher, do you, you ever think about quitting? And a preacher will say every Monday morning. Um, no, I'm not that way. I promise you. Uh, if I think about quitting anything, it's working at Polaris, amen, on Monday mornings. But that's, uh, but, but, but no, I don't think about quitting like that, okay? But, but there's some truth to the statement because what it is is that sometimes you can invest and put so much into a Sunday and so much into this day, the next day you just fall into this weird kind of unexplainable depression you, or being down or whatever. Uh, and so maybe it's a blessing that I get up and early and go to work instead. But, 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 the, but the point I'm trying to make is this. Uh, we, he did not feel victorious. He had low self-esteem. He wanted to die. He wanted to die. Now, that's not stuff we normally talk about in church, is it? Uh, Elijah wanting to die. But did you know the Apostle Paul shared with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that he wanted to die? Uh, and so, I'm not trying to encourage you to want to die today, but I'm saying that many of you may know what that feels like. Job said, I wished I had never been born in the first place. He said, that, that, that day should be cursed. He said, instead of uh, celebrating my birthday, that ought to be a day that's cursed for now on. You know, instead of celebrating it, that's how he felt. And so, the point is, people can get to that place in their lives. And so... He wanted to sleep. He had to be encouraged to get up and nourish himself. He was a prophet. He was a biblical hero. He was a person of faith. But he was also seriously depressed. And so we see that uh, there is the, the, the fatigue factor. There's the fear factor. Then there's the focus factor. Uh, this is a long introduction. Amen. There's the focus factor. Uh, if we get ahead just for a moment, go all the way to chapter 19, verse 15. The Bible says... Uh, no, I'm sorry, let's, let's go to verse 14. The Bible says, 
And he said, I have been very uh, jealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel uh, have uh, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, etc. And you'll see again, if you read down through these uh, passages, he gets this real bad eye disease. And by the eye disease, I don't mean an E-Y-E-I disease. It, it's an eye-eye disease. That Sorry, that was hard to get out. But anyway, uh, I was confusing my own self. But, but no, he, he started focus. The focus factor is this. He started focusing inward. He started focusing on the wrong things. Instead of focusing on God, instead of focusing on the blessings, he started focusing on himself, how he felt, uh, the circumstances that are around him, and the threats that were there. So depression comes... Sometimes, we've got to be honest about it, sometimes it comes from only thinking about ourselves. And this is obviously not a good, healthy attitude. But now, I want to just notice a couple things here about God's response. What God did, what God did not do. As we read through this chapter, what you'll find out is this. Uh, God did not yell at Elijah for not trusting him. God do doesn't command Elijah to get over it. Get over it. Anybody ever told that? Get over it. Uh, now, I think there's some things that we need to learn to get over in our lives, but I'm telling you, the best advice for someone going through about a depression is not, man, get over it. What's your problem? And the bad thing is that sometimes the same person saying that, if they would think of their own selves, they've gone through times like that too. And now here they're telling somebody else just to get over it. Um, and again, there's, there's times I'll tell somebody to get over something, but depression isn't one of those things. But God doesn't tell him to get over it. Uh, God doesn't, uh, he doesn't tell Elijah to cheer up. You read this passage, he doesn't. He doesn't tell him to get over it. He doesn't tell him to, chill up, he, or to cheer up. He doesn't even suggest that, it, that if Elijah had more faith, things would work out better. God does not give Elijah a sermon through all this. It's a pretty awesome thing because literally what the Lord does is He wakes, the, the Lord comes and, 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 and what you'll find out, the Lord wakes him up and says, hey buddy, you need to eat and drink something. Amen. Ain't that good? I mean, God didn't even come give him a sermon at all. He just said, here, eat and drink. Okay. Uh, just eat and drink something. Take care of yourself. God does not command him to get his act together. God is not ashamed. God is not there saying, oh my gosh. You're the guy that's representing me? Come on, man. People are seeing you right now. No, God makes sure that it's recorded in the Word of God. See, the Bible, by the way, that's one of the many things that, that separates the Bible from any sacred book, any other sacred, quote-unquote sacred book, uh, is that it shows the, the, the wrinkles and the flaws and the, and the failures of the heroes. God says, no, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm going to tell everybody about what you went through so it can be a help to you as well as to others. But God is not ashamed uh, of him. He's not embarrassed that this is the man that he's called. You ever feel like that? What happened? I, I can't believe that I'm supposed, God's been so good to me and here I am having a hard time and going through difficulty. Uh, you know, we can begin to beat ourselves up and it just turns into a vicious cycle. But God's not that way. He's not ashamed of this man. Uh, so uh, he doesn't tell him to get his act together. He, but he does, what he does do is he equips him with food and water for the journey. And you notice that God allow, what he, he allows him to do. God gave Elijah room in his despair. 
He gave Elijah some room in his despair. We could learn some lessons, by the way, from how the Lord deals with this man that's depressed. If we have people like that in our families, maybe we can give them a little bit of room. Maybe we can give them a little bit of mercy. Uh, men, if it's our wives that are going through some bout of depression, we don't need to let, let that eye disease come to us. What did I do? Is it me? What could I do better? Blah, blah, blah. We just need to understand. You know what? They're just having a tough time. Amen. Just pray for them. Love them. Uh, let them know you're there for them. Try to find a way to serve him if you can. Uh, but God gives him more, uh, more than a month, as we're going to see in a minute, for him to get over this before he gives him a new command. Uh, and so uh, your depression, when you're, when you're depressed, you can get these thoughts. Your depression can tell you that you are not loved. Your depression lies to you. You, you get lies when you're in your depression. It's encouraging when you look in James chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Uh, we have a tendency sometimes to think of these men and women of the Bible as like different. They weren't different. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, to look at preachers and teachers and, and leaders of the church. And it's easy sometimes to sit in the congregation and say, oh, they don't go through the same stuff we go through. We absolutely do go through the same things. We have the same temptations. We have the same sorrows. We have the same depressions. We have the same struggles. We're just people. Yeah, just like anybody else. And uh, so, uh, but, but, so, so James tells us that he was a man of like passions just as we are. Evan, I should have listened to you. Oops. Um, anyway, uh, let's just notice a couple things. I'll at least read the chapter. Maybe we'll just hit some highlights as we read through, okay? The Bible says in verse number 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. Now this time the Bible says the angel of the Lord. When you study the Old Testament, one of the things you'll find out is oftentimes when the Bible refers to the angel of the Lord, it's actually an Old Testament appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Joshua, the angel of the Lord, appeared to Joshua and he told him to take his shoe from off his foot and everything. But regardless, uh, one of the things that, that we see here that I believe is that the Lord Himself came and touched him again and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Isn't that good? He didn't come and tell him all these other things. He just said, Elijah, you've got a big journey ahead of you and it's too great for you. Hey, one of the things that we are very well aware of when we're depressed is is our inability. Amen. One of the things he said there in verse number, the end of verse number four, he said, I'm not better than my fathers. See, he wanted to turn the nation. He wanted to be a savior. He wanted to be a hero. But he says, I'm not better than my fathers. I have failed. We recognize that. And you know what, God? He acknowledges this at least. The journey's too great for you. This journey, wherever you're going in this life, I promise you one thing, it's too great for you to go on alone. We need the sustenance, we need the spiritual sustenance of the Word of God, of the Spirit of God, of the power of God. Hey, listen, when we're depressed, I'll tell you something. He, the, the, he's asked repeatedly uh, the question. He's asked, in, uh, he's asked a couple different times, what are you doing here? As we'll see in just a moment. I'll tell you one thing. Where are you at? Why are you here? Where are you at today? I don't know where you are and where you're at in your life, but I promise you, no matter where it is, the Lord is with you. You have his presence. Amen? Amen. 
The Lord showed up here for Elijah and He said, the journey is too great for you. I've got something for you. And He fed him. And as we'll see, notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. And He arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So from this meal that God gave him, that sustained him for forty days. That'd be a pretty good meal, amen? Uh, but listen, and he went to Horeb, the Mount of God. Folks, Horeb is, uh, is that, that's, uh, that's Mount Sinai. That's another name for Sinai. This is where the Ten Commandments was given. That's where he was going to meet with God. And again, this was another like 100-mile trip to get to this place. And he said, the journey is too great for you. It isn't interesting that, he, that it took him 40 days to get there. Uh, it wasn't a 40-day trip, uh, but it took him 40 days. It's the same wilderness that Moses and them wandered around in for 40 days. You want to know something else? There's, a, there's another cool parallel here. Uh, in the New Testament, do you remember after the, the resurrection of Christ, how that the, that the apostles, Peter himself, said, I go a-fishing? He says, I'm done with the ministry. I'm just going back to what I was doing before. And do you remember the Lord showed up on the shore? And you remember what He was doing? He had him a meal. The Lord cooked. For Elijah in this passage. In the New Testament, the Lord cooked for Simon Peter and for the other disciples. Isn't that cool? He cooks for them. He ministers to them. There's this cool parallel. But what I'm saying is, He was on this journey. The journey's too great for you. Verse number 9. And He came thither into a cave and He lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and He said unto him, Why, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? The word of the Lord came. Now, remember this. 40 days this, uh, this trip took. So we're over 40 days of, of Elijah dealing with this depression, as we'll see in just a moment. Verse number 10, he said, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, he didn't really answer that question very honestly. Uh, because, but what he was saying was, everybody else is wrong. Everything's going wrong. That's why I'm here. The truthful question would have been nothing. Because <laughs> that's basically what he was doing there. He wasn't doing anything. But verse 11, the Bible says, and he said, here's what the Lord said. Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Now, I've just got to pause right there a second and say this. God lets he, he, he gives Elijah some room. He's with Elijah the whole way. And let me encourage you in one thing. If you're saved by God's grace, I don't care how low you get. I don't care how far you get. Any of that stuff. I promise you one thing right now. The Lord's with you. Yeah. One, of my greatest, uh, one of my favorite verses in regards to that is where Jesus said this. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I mean, listen, I mean, you, somebody says, well, I'm leaving him. Well, good luck. Amen. Because he said he wouldn't leave you. You can go this way. You can go that way. But I'm telling you, he's right there with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So no, where, wherever you are in your life, again, he is with you. But not only that, he, he's trying to give Elijah to get a fresh glimpse of the Lord. Because he says, I'm going to pass before him. Where is he at? He's in Sinai. He's in the place where God passed before Moses and showed Moses his glory. And so what's going on here is God is trying to give Elijah a fresh glimpse of his glory. In other words, get your eyes off yourself. 
for a moment. Get your eyes off your problems. Get your eyes off of your failure and just get a glimpse of me. He's passing by. And when we behold the greatness of God Almighty, folks, it begins to do something in the life of Elijah. And so there again, it says, verse 11, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. That's some kind of wind that's breaking rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Just a light voice. A whisper. I mean, the, the Greek and Hebrew both carried almost just like a little breeze going through. Just a soft... And I'm telling you, I'm glad that's the way the Lord speaks to us. Amen? He speaks to Him. And the power of the Word of God. He's saying the power is not in the earthquake. The power is not in the wind. The power is not in the fire. Folks, that's what called, uh, caused heathen to worship the idols that they would worship. Their power of fire and wind and, 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 and rain and earthquakes and so forth. But it's the words of God. Amen. That draw us to him. It was a still small voice. And there's much to say about that. But the Bible says, and it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face and uh, in, in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, this is the second time now, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And he goes through the same thing again. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go. Return. This is the first time that God has given him a command. God has given him this space. The Lord has walked with him. The Lord has ministered to him. The Lord has cooked for him, for goodness sakes. And now, uh, it's like the Lord is saying, okay, Elijah, it's time. It's time to return. It's time to go. And there's a great principle here, and it has to do with God's purpose. And what he says is, I want you to go the way of the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be the king over Syria. And Jehu, to be the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of uh, Shaphat, of of, of Abelamothola, uh, shalt thou anoint to be a prophet in thy room. And uh, And... And so when you get through all that, what you find out is this. That basically, through everything that he had, Elijah had all these messages. He saw the Creator's message of power. He saw the Lord's message of hope. The Lord had a plan. The Lord had a purpose. And it's so cool because what God is doing right here is He's reminding him of His purpose. He's reminding him that he's got something more to do. Um, and... Uh, you know, one of the great things, I love this, the Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 10, He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth, us, he remembereth that we are dust. He remembers our weaknesses. And I'm telling you, what's God doing right now? God's saying, okay, Elijah, I, through, throughout your depression, here's what God did with him. He's going to do with you. He's going to stay with you. He's going to offer you sustenance. He's not going to beat you over the head. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be with you. He's going to love you. He's going to nourish you. He's going to nurture you. He's going to carry you. 
He's going to try to get you to listen to His voice in the Word of God and hear what He says. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place like that and you've heard the Lord speak? I think, I think to be honest, there's a lot of us here today that could testify to that. We've been in some pretty low times in our lives, but I'm telling you, somewhere in that darkness, somewhere in that despair, hallelujah, I'm glad that uh, somebody said standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Amen? I mean, listen, the Bible says, did you know the Bible says He dwells in thick darkness? And sometimes when we're in that thickest darkness, I mean, the valley of the shadow of death, what the, what the psalmist say, I will not fear for Thou art with me. He will be with you. He will give you His Word. He will give you a vision of Him. And then He'll do this. He'll send you. You know what? He'll send you to touch somebody else's life. See, that's the thing. is A lot of times we get so self-absorbed we forget about others. But God sent had three individuals that He wanted Him to go and affect that He gave right here in this passage. So today, I don't know where you stand in, uh, in your relationship. I don't know where you stand in regards to dealing with depression or facing that from time to time. There may be some that say, Preacher, I don't even know what it is. I don't know what you're talking about. And that's wonderful. Uh, but for those of you and those of us that do, we can take some encouragement in the fact that we're not alone. We can take the encouragement in the fact that the Lord is with us, amen, and that He'll be with you. I mean, do you just get that picture? Here's the depressed prophet sleeping, not wanting to get up, not wanting to do anything, hoping he dies. The Lord knowing all this, and he's just over here cooking him some bread, amen, starting the fire, getting him some water. Here you go, buddy. Amen. I mean, it's just awesome. We can learn so much from the Lord. Uh, but, but I want to say this. Uh, he asked the question, where are you? And here's, here's what I was alluding to earlier, and I'll try to close with this. Where are you? Wherever it is, He is there in grace. His presence is promised. Where are you? Wherever it is, He will sustain you. He offers provision. Where are you? Wherever it is, He is still speaking to you. Amen. There's the promise. Where are you? He has a plan, amen, a purpose. He has someone's life to touch. If you're still on this earth and He hasn't taken your life, hey, there's somebody's life that you can affect. There's somebody that you can be a blessing to today. And so never forget that God does have a purpose for you, amen? amen. It took me 20 minutes to get through the one page and 10 to get through the last five. All right, let's all stand please as the pianist comes and... I know that's a very unusual message today. I didn't even get to the reason that I preached it besides the obvious. But we're preaching through Romans 11, and in Romans 11, the Bible mentions Elijah. And so next week, you'll uh, know that when we get back into Romans 11. Because you know what else he said? I'm the only one that cares. I'm the only one still standing. And that's the context of Romans 11. And God says, no, I've got 7,000 still, buddy. I've got more. Uh, I've got more that are still standing. I'm, uh, you're, you're, you're just a small part of a greater work, and that's what we all are. As she begins to play this morning, I don't know what your needs may be today. Whether it's dealing with depression, whether it's dealing with your loved one that deals with depression. Hey, if the Lord treats His servant with such grace, man, I think we could learn from that. I think we could learn from that. You may be here today and you may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
See, all these promises about the Lord being with you, the good news is that the Lord, uh, man, he, he loves you. I mean, He loves you with an everlasting love. He will never love you any more, any, any less than He loves you right now, and that's immensely. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He loves you. And if you're not here today, and you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you, you need to do so today. You need to accept the Lord. Turn to Him today. And He will save your soul. You say, oh, I'm religious. You don't just need religion. You need a relationship with Christ. You can have something real. You can have the Lord warming up the coals and cooking bread for you. Amen. Not literally, but figuratively. It's a relationship. True salvation, folks, is a relationship. And if you don't know that relationship, if you don't know what it means to be saved by God's grace, He will save you today. Are you willing to admit today that you're a sinner? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. On the cross, Jesus purchased the gift of salvation. And the way you receive that is by asking for it. By faith, trusting the Lord. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you've never accepted Christ, today would be a wonderful day to do so. Heavenly Father, I thank You, dear Lord, so much for You giving us this example of this man, Elijah. I thank You, dear Lord, for Your faithfulness. I know for years, Lord, I didn't... I didn't really know what it was to struggle with depression. And Lord, I know compared to some, God, I haven't had the bouts that some have had to deal with. Some seem more prone, but one thing's for sure, Lord. I've gone through some of these experiences and I'm glad I can stand up here with confidence and boldly proclaim the truths that we find in here in the Word of God about how you dealt with Elijah. You are faithful. You are good. You are loving. You are caring. Just because we fail don't mean we're failures. We get a little myopic and we only see short-sighted. But God, I'm glad when You give us a bigger vision, a bigger vision, touching somebody else's life, making a difference, Lord, in someone else. Lord, if there's anybody here and that's not saved, God, I pray that right now You'll help them from their heart to pray and to call out and to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Please, dear God, help anyone that's here not saved to leave here saved. Well, thank You for that.